Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, Max Burns, TYT contributor, Rebel HQ, all-star. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, Joe Biden in a head-to-head matchup with Governor Ron DeSantis loses according to a new poll. Donald Trump, however, well, let's do it this way. We made this prediction months ago <coughs> that if Trump runs for president, it is the greatest thing to happen to the Democrats. Because the Democrats will be excited to vote against Donald Trump. However, that only works if Donald Trump wins the Republican nomination. In this latest poll, it shows very clearly that right now sentiment is adverse to Trump and aligned with DeSantis in this poll. Polls are not predictions, they are snapshots, however, of current sentiment. Obviously, that can change. So let's get into it. Uh, let's put up the graphic full mass here. Uh, a new poll shows that the governor of Florida would defeat Joe Biden in a hypothetical 2024 matchup, while the president would prevail in a rematch with the former president, Donald Trump. Trump is currently the only declared candidate for the White House in 2024. He announced his candidacy a week after the 2022 midterms in November, it was a disaster. DeSantis is keeping his cards close to his vest, while Biden has said he will announce a decision soon. It is unclear if the controversy surrounding Biden's handling of classified documents after his time as VP will weigh in on whether or not he runs for reelection. Now let's be very clear about the context of the Biden classified documents. From day one, I said if he was in possession of classified documents and he had absolutely no clearance to be in possession of those documents, that means there needs to be an investigation. Well, conservatives, they get that, they understand that part, no problem. Well, if you believe that, you must also believe that Joe Biden having a handful of classified documents is a no-no. You have to also agree that Donald Trump having a truckload must be a no-no as well. That Donald Trump deserves to be under federal investigation. If you're saying that Biden is compromising the security of the nation, you must also conclude that Trump, Trump has done the same as it relates to this country. Investigations should move forward, all right? In a new poll released by WPA, WPA intelligence said DeSantis leads Biden among likely voters while Trump trails his White House successor. A survey conducted from the 2nd of January to the 8th among 1,035 likely voters. Asked them a series of questions about the three political candidates, respondents were asked whether they viewed each of the three favorably or none. Trump was the least popular among the trio. Trump was viewed favorably by 39% of the respondents and about 60% not so much. That's a rating of negative 21%. The former president was the least popular among young and minority voters. Biden meanwhile was viewed at a rate of 45%. They were in favor of him, of likely voters. 
uh, but not favored by 55% of the respondents. His net unfavorable rating was negative 10%. So let's go to DeSantis, all right? So here it is. So DeSantis, in this same poll, who was reelected governor of Florida in November, in a landslide victory, need to remind you of that, was the only candidate, the only candidate with a net positive favorability rating of plus 2%. 41% of likely voters said they viewed him favorably, while 39% said, no, we don't like him. Ask the same question in a hypothetical matchup between DeSantis and Biden. Well, voters picked Florida's governor over the current president by a three point margin. The result is within the poll's margin of error. WPA intelligence poll reported a margin of error of exactly three percentage points plus a negative. Now, I've said from the beginning, anytime there's a poll and that poll shows a conclusion within the margin of error, that means you can basically throw the poll away. I'm going to qualify this poll differently, okay? Because this is not really a poll about being president. It's, we're too far away from the presidential game in order for this poll to be about presidency. This poll is really about current sentiment. This poll is about the negatives connected to the Biden administration. And no, it's not the classified document stuff that basically neutralizes what they had against Donald Trump, political power, so to speak. This is a problem. Now, we've been saying in order for Democrats to get out of this position of reaction, always reacting, not leading, always responding and not creating opportunities for them or the opposition party to go into defense. Because they have not done these extreme things they talked about doing, and we say extreme based on the context of Republicans, because they did not get it done. I'm talking about the George Floyd Policing Accountability Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and we can go on and on because they did not do what they campaigned on after Republicans said their agenda is extreme and their agenda is communist. Radical, because they were able to win the messaging war. Understand where we are. Governor Ron DeSatan is polling at number one in the United States of America today. A president of the United States and the man has not even declared he's going to run. All right, Max thoughts here. Well, thanks for having me, Dr. Ritchie. I think if you're the president, you know, right now, the margin of error is not where you want to be. You want to be running five, 10 points ahead of your opponents. And it really shows, like you said, Democrats are playing defense even when they're winning. I mean, this is a president who has an opponent in Ron DeSantis who's most famous for attacking Disney. And yet, most Americans have no idea he did that. And it's something most people really don't like when they find out about it. And if I'm Joe Biden, I'm worried now that the things that I did in the last half of 2022, people just didn't notice. And now that things are gonna get even harder with a split Congress, there are gonna be fewer opportunities to, to post those kind of big wins. And it really feels like they've lost momentum here in a way that is giving people like Ron DeSantis an undue chance to jump ahead. Yeah, so right, obviously that poll will fluctuate, but this is a problem today, and I hope the administration 
is dealing with it as such. Deliver President Biden and those numbers change. Okay, girl fight, Marjorie Taylor Greene, one corner, Bobert uh, in the other. Well, they got into a, you know, a situation. Let's put up the picture for mass here. Very interesting stuff. Now, I did say they are no longer of the same political ideology. We talked about this during the GOP speaker election. So tensions between Representative Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Colorado, Georgia respectively, boiled over into a confrontation in a women's restroom where, well, at the US Capitol at their job, place of employment, they're acting in this manner. The squabble took place on January 3rd, according to individuals close to this. It was the first day of the new Congress in the House Speaker's lobby, a ladies room. And sources told the Daily Beast, the lawmakers feuded over their perceived loyalty to Republican leader Kevin McCarthy as he tried to secure enough votes to become the House Speaker. Um, we covered that uh, debacle, that extreme um, process that weakened him so much that he is basically an ineffective speaker. He will continue to be that. I highlighted then that Bobert took the side of Matt Gates and others who wanted to basically broker their own power structure and get number two, number three, four, and five so that they can take over that speaker position at basically any time. They successfully negotiated in what they wanted. While I do not agree with the political ideology of the conservatives, I mean, damn, think about this. What if we had that kind of, I don't know, guts, spirit, unwillingness to compromise until we get the progressive agenda that actually solves problems for real people. What if we had that kind of spunk? I digress. So they fell out because Marjorie Taylor Greene was backing Trump. Trump was backing McCarthy. Marjorie Taylor Greene, as I said then, was simply running to be the next VP pick. She was lobbying for a job. Looks like she may have actually successfully done it because something came out saying, hey, this person, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is probably one of the worst Congress people ever, may become the VP pick of Trump, all right? Uh, so they had conflict. Uh, Green questioned Boebert's loyalty to McCarthy. Not loyalty to you, the voter. Not loyalty to a policy that helps people, but loyalty to a man. This is giving you insight to their leadership prowess. So they got into a debate about McCarthy, all right? And after a few words were exchanged, Boebert stormed out. Said one of the sources, connected to the argument, you were okay taking millions of dollars from McCarthy, but you refused to vote for him for speaker. Lauren Green said, according to another source, the first source said Green came out of a bathroom stall and confronted Bulbert. Okay, She came out of the bathroom stall and confronted her colleague in the US Congress at the Capitol who had been unaware that Georgia Republican was in the restroom, but taking campaign money from McCarthy and then turning against him 
in the speaker voting. That's when Lawrence said, don't be ugly, Not too late. Uh, the first source said adding that Bobert then ran out like a little schoolgirl. Obert declined to comment on the matter saying only see you later, bye. And Green did not respond to request for comment. See, we know what this is at Indisputable because we have been enlightened to it. This is care and no care and criminality. We have talked about this before. We have provided the proper context. We know exactly what it is. They're baffled at the Capitol. We deal with things like this every day. Okay, Representative Debbie Dingell said, allegedly witnessed the near screaming match, according to sources connected and familiar with the situation. But she declined three separate times to describe what she saw in any way, shape or form. What happens in the latest room stays in the latest room, the Michigan Democrat said. That's right, yes. Oh, You mean Marjorie Taylor Greene is a lady, okay, I got it, okay. Uh, she's not classy, no, no. She, she, these individuals deserve to be told on. I mean, there are some people you have to just kind of violate the rule for, bend it a little bit, tell us what happened, give it to us anonymously. This is an opportunity for Democrats to actually seize a little more power. How? Because of the narrative of division. You literally have the mainstream political party stepping back and the extreme parts of the political party are fighting each other on the Republican side. And it's Democrats who want to not say anything negative about it. Do you think she would extend the same courtesy to you, madam? All right, Max thoughts here. I'll tell you, it's fitting that this happened in a bathroom because the GOP is going down the toilet. Wow. And it is rich to me that Marjorie Taylor Greene is getting upset at someone else for grifting the Republican Party. The, the way that she made it to such prominence by not only grifting voters, but by grifting her own friends. I mean, these are people who she was allied with a month ago and now has sold down the river, says there are nuts, says our obstructionists for saying the exact same things she said. But I'll tell you, if I'm Kevin McCarthy, it worries me a little bit because usually you don't get to this kind of bathroom hair pulling until it's 2 a.m. and the club's closing and everyone's exhausted. They haven't even made it a day and their party's already fighting itself. This is the kind of story that worried Democrats would be on the front page of the paper. Yep. And Democrats need to make sure that people see this dysfunction and realize that the Karens are in the house. In the house, I like how you put that. All right, we'll follow for updates. A GOP political candidate, conservative guy, well, he wanted to shoot up Dems homes. Yeah, he wanted Democrats to be shot at. So he decided to coordinate with basically hit men in order to do so. Let's put up the picture for a mass, he's been arrested. But this is how dire things are. 39 year old failed GOP candidate Solomon Pena was arrested on Monday by Albuquerque police who say he was the mastermind behind a recent string of shootings targeting Democratic lawmakers homes. He is accused of paying four men to shoot at the homes of two county commissioners and two state lawmakers. Investigators also believe he was present for at least one of the shootings. You see where we are now, okay? 
He did not hire shooters, he hired hitmen. Those hitmen, thankfully, missed. Those hitmen were hired guns, literally, okay? He is a Republican. He ran for political office. He's been supported by members of the GOP in his state. Where's the outrage from the GOP? Where's the outrage from Republicans? Where are the press releases from conservative leadership about how bad this guy is? Not much, okay? You don't have a lot of that. There's more. So he's charged with four counts of shooting at a dwelling, shooting at or from a motor vehicle, and conspiracy to commit a shooting at a dwelling, and one count of possession of a firearm by a felon. Attempt to commit aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and criminal solicitation to commit a shooting at a dwelling. Let me put this in context for you. So they're basically saying it was a drive-by. You shot from a car, you shot into a building, we're gonna charge you with all these other charges. Listen, I'm in law school, there are some charges here I've never heard of before. But I tell you this, if it would have been, let's say, Pyru Blood who did that, they would be charged with attempted murder. That's it, that's what they would be charged with. All of a sudden, there's all of this context and contextualization about these charges. No, you could have killed people. You hired guns to shoot into the homes of lawmakers elected by the people. That is foundational to democracy. Election of the people is foundational to democracy. You should be charged, sir, with attempted murder. All right, uh, ballistic evidence, text messages, searches on Apple Maps, and statements from a confidential witness were key in making the case against this guy. All right. Um, let's go into what happened. January APD disclosed that they were investigating several, several shootings targeted at Democratic lawmakers. So they knew this was happening, did not know who it was. Uh, they said that the county commissioner in the county, Commissioner Adrian Barboa's Southeast Albuquerque home had been struck by eight bullets. You gotta think about the, the idea of eight bullets going into your home. Um, why would you not be charged with attempted murder when you have shot eight bullets into somebody's house? This happened on December 4th, a week later, December 11th, 12 bullets, 12 bullets. Hit County Commissioner Debbie O'Malley's North Valley home, 12 bullets, all right? On January 3rd, shots rang out at Representative Linda Lopez's home, Southwest Albuquerque. And three bullets went through her daughter's bedroom as the 10 year old slept. Once again, not charged with attempted murder. After the news of the investigation began to circulate, the state rep, Javier Martinez, inspected his home and noticed what? It too had sustained damage from bullets. He had heard gunfire outside of his home on December 8th and believes that's when the shooting occurred. Let's put up the pictures here, full mass. One of the four men, Pena, is accused of hiring. This 21-year-old Jose Trujillo, he's being prosecuted federally on a drug trafficking and firearms charge. A sheriff's deputy, Jose, 40 minutes after one of the shootings on a warrant, he had initially stopped Jose over an expired registration for a car registered to who? Once again, Pena, 
All right, he's leaving significant evidence behind, not a smart guy. The next man is 41 year old Demetrio Trujillo, according to a witness who himself is facing criminal charges. Pena said Demetrio for a job shooting, paid for a job shooting at multiple residents. That's what he did, according to the witness. Any outrage? What's going to change with the leadership of Washington or even the leadership of that local community? Nothing. You have a man who is a Trump supporter, GOP guy, hyper conservative, decides to launch a political attack with guns against individuals who share a different ideology politically than he does. This tears at the very root of democracy and democratic process. The idea that this would happen is baffling and extreme and sad. The idea that everybody, regardless of political affiliation, doesn't feel the same. Well, that's just dangerous. All right, there's more. APD's acting commander, okay, this is Hartsock, found that PETA has sent Barbell's exact address to Demetrio, who searched for it in an Apple Maps. Application and texted it to Jose. It's all on the record. He had also sent the home address for Martinez, O'Malley, and Lopez. It was unclear if Demetrio and Jose are related. The witness told detectives, now this is the witness, that the mastermind, mastermind, Demetrio and Jose went to shoot up Lopez's home in a newly stolen red truck. Oh, it gets deeper. And Peter was armed with an AR, according to the complaint. He said that this mastermind attempted to fire the AR. What happened? It jammed. The AR jammed and did not fire correctly. So one of the others fired the Glock. Once again, why are they not charged with A, attempted murder, B, gang affiliation and attempted murder? And whatever the hell else they're doing. After the loss of his political career, okay, after his loss, he made repeated claims that the election was rigged. Yeah, that's what he said. Just like his champion, Donald Trump, he said the election was rigged. Now, here's the thing please keep in mind, if they would have elected him, if they would have elected him, that is the caliber of character they would have elected. That is the man who would have had political power. But I submit to you that we have men already elected just like that. They are dangerous just like him. And if they can get away with it, they'll do exactly what he did. That's what we are. All right, Max, thoughts here. Yeah, let's borrow a phrase that Republicans love to use and ask, why isn't our country talking about the Republican culture of violence? I mean, this is not a lone incident. You look back in Nevada in Las Vegas, and there was a Republican politician who was angry that a reporter, Jeff German, was reporting on him and cost him his seat. That politician went to Jeff German's house and murdered him. I mean, these are people who think that Democrats, the press, anyone who disagrees with them are enemies of the state. And so anything they do is justified to stop them. And so far, the Republican Party hasn't said a word 
of condemnation about this because the Republican Party believes that too. And until we address yep. that, I mean, this is just going to be the start. Thank God these shooters were terrible shots or this would have been even worse. Yeah, and the idea that they're not being dealt with like examples. You know, this is the time that the prosecutor comes out, the AG comes out, DOJ, they come out and say, we're going to make examples out of these criminals. This is what it calls for. Now, all right, we will continue to follow and update as it develops. We have more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Always good to have you. We have a lot of comments, kind of press some time. We'll read as many as I can. Um, don't forget, we have our MLK special tonight. Tonight. You don't want to miss this. This is going to be one of the best tributes to a king. And I wanted to name this something different. Um, when we were talking about what to call the special, I said they called him radical. So let's dissect that. Let's understand what that really meant. So that is our special tonight. They called him radical, a tribute to King. Who do I have? I got Senator Nina Turner. I got my big homie Ricky Smiley. And we have news anchor Sharon Reed. This will be a fascinating conversation, all right? Make sure you watch tonight, thought provoking, very engaging conversation, okay? All right. Here are some of the comments, we'll read as many as I can. Mickey C, the silver hair dragon says, what if there is another dim to choose among? Wouldn't it be nice if we had an actual choice between several dims, some of which are at least close to being progressives? Yes, and you will see them emerge. And then you will see the mainstream corporate power structure get involved. And they will come in the disguise of Democrats who give a damn. All right, Jess B anti-racist said, if it were a choice between a Republican and a barely breathing Biden, somebody better get Biden on oxygen, on an oxygen mask. There it is. All right, let's go to snack underscore panther. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, Dr. Richie, we do need those kind of hard nosed progressives in Congress. The problem is those type of people get ripped to shreds in elections because the media is straight up whack. Yes, and they also get ripped by other Democrats who give ammunition to the media to replay over and over again. That these individuals are not real Democrats, they will say. No, completely opposite. If you're a Democrat, you should be principle first, not personality first. All right, KCAT, thank you for that. Dr. Richard, how do normal everyday citizens rough office? Need basic instructions, PS, I love you. And I love you back, KCAT. Uh, do me a favor, uh, send an email to indisputable at TYT. Send an email, post that question. Let me figure out where you are locally so we can get you some information, all right? Okay, uh, Chi Chi Massey, thank you. I spit my drink out on my screen when you said too late to Margie Taylor Green. you caught that. Well, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Goodness gracious. 
Don't hurt me. Yeah. Karen, you're not you when you're hungry. Okay. This was actually not about a snicker bar. Ironically, this was about cigarettes. Yes, according to the narrative, the store did not have cigarettes she wanted. And she wanted to make sure that clerk and everybody else felt her pain. Well, here's the thing. When individuals respond this way over minor things, it is not the minor thing, it is the individual. You see, that was already inside of her. For a person to go that outrate, commit multiple crimes over something that definitely is small in comparison. Why is that small, Doc? Because you can go down the street. There's literally, I promise you, there's another store in walking distance from that location. All of that energy, ma'am, that you used to strong the store, you could have walked to the corner down the street and still have some energy left to smoke your cigarette. All right, Max, it's fascinating, thoughts here. This just furthers my theory that anyone who tucks in a t-shirt is a ticking time bomb and you should stay away from them. But I mean, I smoked years ago and I felt that feeling. I mean, when you really get frustrated that they don't have your pack of cigarettes. But most of us just stop short of destroying the entire store and just get another brand. I'm still unclear why she felt so safe and so entitled destroying so much property. And, and making sure her face was fully visible while she did it. It's yeah. someone who fears no consequences. None and nobody shot her. All right, okay, that's something for you, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday. You're gonna feel free, back off. I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Y'all, this man was waiting on me at the door. I wasn't even delivering to his house. He called her many derogatory names, including the N word multiple times. Naturally, we had to bleep that part out. Let's put up the pictures full mass here. What are you looking at? There's a male Karen who decided to do this to an Amazon driver. The poster, the individual who was the victim of this male Karen runs a skin care and self care business called Empathy. She handled it so well and I'm so thankful she did exactly what I tell people to do. Record, damn it, record, she did it. Because of that, I'm giving her a big shout out for holding her composure. I'm giving her a proclamation of salute. Thankful for her leadership in business and in the midst of Karenicity. So let's go to her business again. The poster 
runs the skincare company. You can find it at moreempathy.com. That's more M P A T H Y.com. You can text, check out her business. All right. If you got to, make it rain. We appreciate what you had to go through, and we are sorry it happened. But glad it was you who recorded it. Max, thoughts here. Listen, it's no mistake that this guy felt so comfortable doing that. First off, because he was yelling at a woman and also a black woman. And statistics have shown over and over, black women in these service industries are subjected to way more abuse than anyone else. And I I can guarantee she was not parked outside his driveway more than 30 seconds. Because with Amazon, if you're parked more than 30 seconds, you get a violation. So the fact is this man was waiting for this incident. He knew she would be coming and he chose this opportunity to try and intimidate her to make himself feel better. And that's really disturbing and really sad. We know black women are the most underprotected demographic in the country. And if there's an argument, if you have conflict, well, going racist simply meant you are utilizing the conflict in order to express your racism anyway, had nothing to do with the car being parked. Had everything to do with the pettiness inside of him and the racism he lives every day. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone about, yep, there it is, spin the wheel, spin the wheel. At TYT, we pride ourselves in sharing the most important news stories of the day. Unfiltered, unspoiled by corporate influence and free of traditional media propaganda that gets in the way of stuff. That means telling the truth, good or bad, about both parties without fear or favor or concern for which interest we might be offending. Right now, when you sign up for an annual membership, you'll get to spin the wheel to win limited time perks from TYT. One of those prizes is a Canvas 2024 T and they are dope. Check it out, sign up at tyt.com forward slash spin or scan the QR code you see right there to get started. Okay, we got a lot of comments, I'll read as many as I can, all right? Stop Dragon says, Thank you for what you do, Dr. Richie. More than once, you've brought me back from the brink. Talk me down from the ledge. You didn't even know it. Here's a shout out, brother. Iron sharp as I, my dear brother. Good to hear you say that, and I'm glad you're better, all right? We got this, we in this together, all right? We all are. More rich man tears for the new year says, I'm so glad this beautiful woman got his ugly butt on camera. See, that's the spirit. Um, Forbzilla, Godzilla Dragon, man. I've seen people in treatment better held together than her. Talking about the woman who had, you know, she was upset about the cigarettes. Okay, uh, RGL Network, member for six months, thank you so much for that. Says, uh, Black Dragon always comes here for the truth. The doctor always seems to show us how messed up our world really is. And also show you the opportunity to beautify it, cause and effect. It's ugly because of cause, the ugliness is the effect. It can be beautiful. Because of cause. Beautiful will happen because of you. All right? You create the effect. All right. And Lolo Wep, I can't even imagine how awful it must be being an Amazon driver. 
Yeah. Okay, we have an indisputable exclusive. Now, this is going to be a shocking story. Lisa Simpson is actually part of my commentary today in an interesting way. Let me do it this way. I'm gonna just play the video. This is about a family who is brokenhearted, upset about the way the death of their loved one was treated by the woman who played, yeah, Lisa Simpson. Here it is. So Larry has been shot in the head and head wounds usually bleed a lot. Is there blood everywhere at this crime scene? So he's kind of slumped down as he's sitting back against a tree and there's blood on the back of the tree kind of behind where Larry's head would have been if his head was upright, but he's kind of slumped over. And so it's hard to tell exactly at this point where the entry wound or if there is an exit wound or not, but you can definitely tell that it's a head wound. And based on the amount of blood, a pretty significant one. And is there a trail of blood at all or is it all just right there where Larry's body's found? It's all right there. Um, the only blood that's not on him or his person is on the tree that he's sitting up against. Again, where his head would have been leaned back as he's sitting there. So just a little bit of transfer on the trunk of the tree, but then everything else is on his person. Now imagine they're talking about your dead father, your dead uncle, your relative. They're talking about your relative in violation of department policy. They're giving these details on a podcast in the local community that happens to be a very popular podcast. The person who's in charge of the podcast is the voice of Lisa Simpson. Let's put it up for a mass here. There's some entanglement that must be exposed. A family is now broken according to them by their father's killing being exposed to further scandalize him and the family by police on a true crime podcast from Springfield, Oregon. The voice of Lisa Simpson, Yerley Smith, she hosts a true crime podcast. Small town dicks with her husband and a uh, who is a retired cop. He's a retired detective in that same department. So he gets access to this information and then talks about it freely and openly as if it's okay. It's not a violation of policy. And her brother in law, a current detective, okay? All right. Um, at the outset of this, the episode began and they boasted about certain things and talked and you know, they discuss standards on the show in the beginning of the program. Now, I'm doing this not because I'm somehow anti Miss Smith's podcast. Madam, I didn't know you had a podcast. And I'm doing the story in the spirit of advocacy for the family. And I'm going to give you the narrative, madam, that they say you and others refuse to listen to, especially the police. They will be heard here. Here's the podcast claim of having respect for the victims they talk about. Here it is. So we want to know 
How did we persuade you to join us here on Small Town Dick? Oh, it was it was a lot of arm twisting. Not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, what has always impressed me about Small Town Dicks is the professionalism. First, you have your authenticity. You know, Dan and Dave, myself, we come out of real crime. We've had real experiences. And so the audience, the listeners, are getting from small town dicks what actually happens out there. Not something that's been glamorized. But also, you guys don't exploit the cases. You're empathetic to the victims. And this is what I'm all about. And I know that people who know me from other projects, they will truly see that when they start listening to small town dicks. Oh yeah, is that what the family is saying about this obvious um, ethical issue connected to the police department and cops that retired and not? So here's the thing, right now, for those of you who will watch this on the podcast, maybe you're a producer, maybe you're one of the hosts, maybe one of the detectives. And right now you're thinking, well, we're going to have to come back at him. I would not advise that I'm from Glenwood, but if you choose to, if you choose to, I will happily invite you to the show so we can talk about this openly. But before you make that conclusive and probably unwise decision, let me break down the family's point of view. Let's put them up full mass here. The episode we heard ran afoul of the victim's family. The detective in their father's case is Justin Myers. Described the victim's gruesome death, he's in a hug with his family. His son Evan describes his father Richard Marshall as a barrel of a man who would do anything to provide for his family and give anything of himself for his community. They loved him, he loved them. Richard Marshall worked as a guard, a community garden and neighborhood farm. Springfield, Oregon is a town of about 60,000 and was once home to Simpsons creator, Matt Groening. Now, Springfield's most famous resident is Miss Smith, the voice of Lisa Simpson. Here she is with her fellow podcasters, there they go. Richard's daughter, Lauren, wrote to Indisputable to complain about the podcast benefiting from the death of their father. We did something that you all obviously did not do. We took the time to listen. We're thoughtful about this process. We took the time to listen. Now, this is not typically one of the social justice stories we have covered. It's a little bit out of the box, but it fits. It fits. There's more. Rich's daughter, Lauren, wrote to us, said Miss Smith, in my opinion, has taken advantage of her husband's relationship. He is a retired detective at the station. Of her husband's relationship with the police and investigators in my dad's death. She's monetizing people's tragedies without regard. When my brother contacted the podcast to ask questions like, why wasn't our family consulted or even advised of the podcast? He was dismissed with, we're not out to re-traumatize or victimize anyone. I can't stop crying, can't sleep, 
And when I do, I have dreams of gun violence. Now, once again, I gotta remind you, this is an extremely popular podcast in that local community, very. So it's not as if this was done in some kind of silo or in a corner and they discovered it later. This is popular, this podcast is well known and well viewed. Lauren says her father did not want his life to be about making money. My family is outraged, she says. My family is outraged as my dad was an anti-capitalist, question everything pacifist, who protested the Vietnam War, took me to protest the Gulf War in the 90s, and taught me that black lives matter in the 80s before it was a thing. Lauren's brother Evan gained hundreds of pounds since his father's death and has been unable to leave his home. When Springfield residents quickly deduced the murder victim, they told Evan the podcast was hashing out the gory details of his dad's death. He says he was re-traumatized and reached out to the podcast. Let's put it up, there we go. What does it say? Why is Lisa Simpson talking about the murder of my father on a podcast without reaching out to us? We haven't even laid him to rest yet. Due to my disability, my PTSD is fully out front of me again. Really, I am so disappointed with all involved. What's the response? Mr. Marshall, this is Detective Dan from the podcast. I'm happy to speak to you and any of your blah, 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 blah. All right. Honestly, what Evan Marshall said, honestly, if they had just reached out to us beforehand, they might have been fine. We could have told them not to use the goofy name Larry to refer to my father. I'm still dealing with the aftermath of this. We haven't even buried him. If there's not a rule now, there should at least be something done to prevent this from happening again. So we decided to look at the police media policy because naturally only the details could be released by the cops. So let's put it up. The police shared the media policy which states that a designee shall be appointed to handle media relations for major events including murder investigations. They also are supposed to protect the identity of the victims in ongoing investigations. It's right there in black and white, their own policy. It's right there, we, we found it. I'm sure the podcast could have got it also. Evan Marshall filed a complaint with the Springfield police about Detective Justin Myers and his participation in the podcast in December. Here is the department's response to that complaint, okay? Dear Evan Marshall, the Springfield Police Department's Office of Professional Standards has received your complaint regarding your observation of an SBD staff member on November 18, 2022. We will investigate this under a matter and respond to you without findings of no more than 30 days, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, okay, so uh, you know, you all are the police. You all are detectives. Uh, did you all hear the podcast? Did you get a copy of it? Did you subpoena the records? Did you go and ask a question? Do you have a formal statement? Did you do any police work whatsoever when you were confronted about the actual violation of policy in your local community? No, we're not. A representative of the department 
wrote Evan on December 17th that they needed a they needed 30 days to investigate. All right, that's what they said. A member of the podcast has since told Evan they would have spoken with Evan, but now there's an investigation. So they cannot comment because Evan made a big deal about a big deal. Put up the picture of the police chief. That is Andrew Shearer, who is the person in charge. A representative of the department has reached back to indisputable for clarification, but has not yet commented. The podcast did not respond to our request for comment. I'm doing this cause you cannot care more about turning a damn story than the people you're talking about. We have this dilemma too at Indisputable. Yes, we have it. Many times I have talked to my investigative producer and I've said, listen, talk again to the whistleblower. Let's make sure they're safe. Let's make sure they're okay with this content. Let us think about it. Let's put pause on it. I don't wanna turn a story for the sake of turning a story. I wanna make sure that you're okay with it. It was simple, and then you ignored them. All right, so we shall see what the response is now. It's on the record, Max Thoughts. This to me is one of the big problems of podcasts, social media now, is that we're sort of turning people's lives into content with complete disregard for them. I mean, this is not ancient history. This is something where these people have to go to the grocery store, walk around their community and see people who have seen the worst details of their lives put out by someone who's never spoken to them, never made an attempt to talk to them, never cared. Yep. And, and now feels put upon that they've been asked to apologize for that. It's incredibly disturbing the way we have sort of farmed this trauma of other people for influence and for content. And then when we turn to law enforcement for some sense of privacy, some sense of protection from what can easily be considered harassment, the police don't care at all. I mean, it does show you that there is an immense amount of privilege in this podcast and people who have not themselves been victims of violence. Because no one who has has felt that trauma would ever feel like they were right in putting another family through it. Right, there you go, very well said. Nineteen-year-old impersonates the police, has on a sheriff's badge, pulls people over. Put his picture of full mask. This is insane. Uh, this nineteen-year-old, damn, they got away with it. Uh, but he was arrested on New Year's Day after authorities said he pulled over several people while impersonating a police officer. Jackson Jones was the teen impersonating an officer. A person who was pulled over by Jones became suspicious. After he claimed to be an undercover officer and acted aggressively. Jones was wearing a black bulletproof vest with a sheriff patch on it. Along with a duty belt with knives or flashlight handcuffs when he was questioned by authorities. According to the sheriff's office, Jones told deputies he was wearing the vest only because it was comfortable. And he said he worked for the Campbell County Sheriff's Office in Tennessee. According to Gerald Records, Jones was booked for transporting an open container of beer and impersonating a police officer. It is not immediately clear whether Jones has an attorney. 
Uh, the sheriff's office added that Jones' cousin, who serves as jail administrator in Campbell County, told authorities that Jones previously worked at the jail. No longer has the job after he impersonated an officer there too. All right, the irony, he'll end up being a cop one day. Yeah, that's the irony of it. All right, Jackson, thoughts here? Right, exactly. I didn't even think about that, but that's perfect. Like, well, you know, he kind of he kind of followed procedures, and he doesn't even know him yet. You know, he's a natural. <laughs> but like, I mean, pe- people are crazy. Like, what were you doing? What What did you think that was going to lead to? Maybe it was something on a resume for a promotion. I don't know. But it's just like, I mean, he could have gotten hurt. Other people could have gotten hurt. And you know, him acting like a sheriff. It's like I mean, he looks like. A teenager, like he looks like a little boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just he's nuts. Um, hopefully, he can get some type of mental health evaluation um, because somebody who would do something like that is likely dangerous. Um, so, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, he's he's a perfect cop in the making. Right, and that's why he was selecting that profession. Okay, yeah, uh, that is the issue. That's why 75% of people who applied to be a cop <laughs> in Ithaca, New York, failed the psychological evaluation. You got to think about how deep that is, brother. That says that the microcosm of that applied to the macrocosm says 75%. If you take that data, 75% of all cops that apply are unqualified, not qualified to be police officers. All right, hell of a thing here. What if I told you that a cop nearly suffocated a black man with snow and then wanted him to not sue? Here it is. Arrest me then, bro. Calm down, so you just wanna talk. Arrest me then, bro. Get off. Calm get off down. Arrest me then, bro. Hensley, get off the steps. Get off the steps. Look, man. Look, get off the steps. Would you get down the steps and calm down? Okay, come on. You gonna pull that bullet. You gonna be honest, pull it. Come on. You gonna kill a black man. Why don't you come down here and tell us what the problem is? I'm not drunk. I'm telling you the truth. Then get out here and talk. If you gonna kill me, kill me. Somebody wanna kill me, kill somebody, man. Tell the truth. I tell you the truth. He's being disrespectful, sir. I'm trying to be honest. I'm not a 13, sir. I'm not a 13, sir. You touch me, I'll call the police. No, I'm not gonna touch him, bro. Don't touch me. I'm a demon. Relax. Kill me. Kill me. Relax. Kill me then. Tell my son, my son, you're gonna kill me. That's crazy. The details are very important here. Let's put up the young man's picture and I'll give you the background. 28 year old, Charles Hicks II, an Ohio man is now suing the city of Akron, Ohio. After one of its officers stuffed several handfuls of snow in his nose and mouth, limiting his ability to breathe during an arrest. 
Now, before I go to the rest of the historical context of what happened, I need you to understand what that particular move by the cop was about. He is saying that he despises the very breath of this man. He did something so out of line with law and policy. He's willing to risk his paycheck, to risk his status in the community, to risk how his family looks at him, to risk his job, to risk his training, to risk all of it. Because he wants to show a black man, I can stop you from breathing. Think about how extreme that is. You will risk all of that just for that. And you have one of the most trusted positions in the United States of America. He's still traumatized by it. He's still traumatized by it. He's still in counseling and has PTSD from this experience. Eddie Siplin says, Siplin is the attorney. They filed the federal lawsuit on January 2nd, accusing the city and seven of its police officers of excessive force during the arrest on the 7th of February, 2021. The night of the incident, the police were called to the home of Mr. Hicks and his girlfriend for a domestic violence complaint. A police report says Hicks' girlfriend claimed he grabbed a knife and threatened her with it. Now, many will now push back and say, well, well, that's why, that's why they did this. Once again, I have submitted this before and I will say it over and over again. It's the right thing. Just because somebody should see a judge or maybe they should see a judge and see a charge, it doesn't mean they're supposed to see their maker. You see, he could have died from suffocation. And who thinks that would have been justified given he has a constitutional right to due process himself. He has a right not to be criminally penalized or assaulted by the police. That eliminates that due process that we all are supposed to enjoy. There's more. Body camera video shows the officers doing exactly what you saw, arriving at the home. A shirtless Hicks greets the officers in the front door. Uh, police say Hicks, who appeared unarmed, was under the influence of alcohol upon their arrival. Okay, well, it's legal to drink, not legal to be violent. I don't know the conclusion of that particular allegation. Following his arrest, here's what happened following the arrest. Hicks was taken to jail and booked. He was charged with resisting arrest and domestic violence. After spending three days in jail, the attorney said Hicks' domestic violence charge was what? It was dropped. The charge was dropped, but he pleaded no contest to resisting arrest. Uh, The attorney claims within the lawsuit that police offered Hicks a plea deal that would also drop the resisting arrest charge if he agreed not to sue the city in return. The attorney says the plea offer was a cover up in the making by the city. They knew their officer did something wrong and they tried to cover it up. Now, I'm no attorney, I'm training to be one. But I do know that my criminal procedure professor, great professor by the way, he would clearly call foul on this. You mean you're utilizing the leverage 
of a fake ass criminal charge in order to persuade a civil litigation away from you. Mm-mm-mm. That's another violation, another no-no. There's more, uh, let's put it up. All right, this is John Turnier. This is the officer who was accused of stuffing snow in Mr. Hicks' mouth. Well, he's been placed on administrative leave as police conduct an internal investigation. It's amazing to me, it takes so long to investigate cops. This investigation, ladies and gentlemen, would take probably two years. And they have it on video, all right? He resigned March 2021 before the investigation was completed. That investigation should still go forward even though he resigned, multiple cops were involved. Police took no action against him, no criminal charges were ever filed. This cop has a documented history of excessive force complaints during his 10 years with that police department. The the Ekron Beacon Journal reported that this cop was involved in three prior incidents classified as use of deadly force. Now, remember, this is just not use of force. We're talking about use of deadly force. The person could have died, okay? But he was cleared in those cases. No one died as a result of the previous incident. So it seems as if he has an MO here. He has an MO of, at least by way of accusation, bringing people to the brink of death, almost killing them, putting them in danger to the point of where they could die. That's his MO. Seems to be. It is ironic that he has all of these excessive force uh, force charges that are deadly force charges. That's different. Typically, we have seen minor infractions and then major infractions and then detrimental infractions by police officers. But this guy, his MO seems pretty much the same and accepted by his supervisors. All right, Max, thoughts here. Listen, years ago, we were told that all of this would be gone once police had body cameras. Now what we're seeing is that these body cameras are really just creating scrapbook photos for their collections. It hasn't done anything to resolve this impunity. And to your point, the police who do this, it is rarely ever the first time they have done it. That's right. The time they're caught on camera. They normally have long histories of this and an organization that will back them up, that will make these problems disappear. And they're willing to dismiss charges, to bend the law, to to favor their officers. But this is just egregious. I mean, as you said, show me where the policy is to shove snow in a man's mouth and nose until he can't breathe. You show me that and I'll shut up. But I guarantee you that deadly assault is not part of police policy. And the fact that this is on camera should be a disgrace to this department. But instead, they're treating it as just another day of business. And usually, as you know, dear brother, these cops are able to move on to another department. Hopefully, we can get the information of where he currently is. We are looking for that. Sir, if you are still a police officer, I will find what jurisdiction you work for, guaranteed. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Thank you for remaining, all right? Okay, Mickey C, the Silverhead Dragon says, it wasn't just limiting that young man's ability to breathe, stuffing snow up his nose and his mouth could have caused him, that's true, to aspirate the snow, killing him. That's, that's true, 12 year old kid is killed by the police. 12 year old kid was the victim of a cop breaking policy and speeding. Let's put up a picture for mass. 
this kid. Not only have I followed this story from day one, I'm connected to this story with the family, the advocates, the attorney and others. We have done press conferences. We have talked about this extensively on my radio show. We talked about it here on Indisputable. I'm going to give you some background and update. The family and advocates of a 12 year old Layden Boykins, who was killed during a high speed police chase are calling for a special prosecutor and a federal investigation into the actions of the Georgia State Trooper responsible for the death of that 12 year old child. Layden's heartbroken father, let's put his picture up. His name is Anthony, good man, said during a news conference on January 10th, and I quote, they decided to terminate somebody's life for a speeding ticket. That is exactly what happened. The incident occurred during the early morning hours of September 10th, 2021. Charlie Moore, 37 years of age, was driving his Kia Sorento with his son, his son, and Layden Boykins inside. Boykins, who his grandmother was watching while his parents were in Michigan at a funeral, had been given permission to go out with his 14 year old neighbor and more, the teen's father, to earn some money cleaning parking lots on the night of the crash. Local station WXIA reported. <clears throat> Let's put up the screenshot of the cop, the patrol cop. Georgia State Patrol said Moore was initially pulled over shortly after 1 a.m. by a trooper for speeding. Dash cam video shows Georgia State Patrol officer David Peterson approached the driver's side window. Peterson claimed Moore tried to evade him. That was his claim. He then posed the question to Moore, hey, give me your driver's license, which Moore refused, prompting Peterson to ask him to step out of the vehicle. Several minutes later, two Paulding County Sheriff's deputies arrived. Moore asked for a supervisor and questioned, what crime have I committed? At that point, a deputy smashed the driver's side window. And more reacted by speeding away. Remember, they're doing all of this with kids in the car, okay? So they know kids in the car when they smash the window. They know kids are in the car when they engage in this dangerous high speed chase, which chase, which is a violation of policy. The high speed chase lasted roughly eight minutes, okay? Until Peterson hit the back left bumper of Moore's car, performing the pit maneuver, literally. You do not get this accident without the pit maneuver, without the cop intentionally hitting the vehicle that he knew two children were already in. Moore and the children flipped inside of the car. And then what you hear is so disturbing. The cop gets on the radio after flipping a vehicle where he knows two black children are inside. He gets on his gets on his microphone and he says, Pit successful. 
hit successful, he repeats it over and over again. He says nothing about the children in the car. The children he knew were there. I submit to you, yes, Mr. Moore is partially to blame too. I get that narrative, understand that. The family is torn, but if you believe that Mr. Moore also is partially to blame for his reaction in the moment. And yes, his reaction was fear, it was definitely fear. And maybe he thought he was protecting those children because somebody just busted his window and he's surrounded by cops. He doesn't understand exactly why this is happening. So there may be context for this, but outside of that, regardless of that, we must all conclude that the cop who knew children were in the car, this should have never happened. Or at least should have known, right? There's more. More and the children inside, they flipped over. The family claims the troopers should have acted differently because there were children inside of the car. They could have put up a roadblock and protected those kids. They couldn't figure out any other way than to flip that car over, Anthony Boykins asked. While Georgia's Department of Public Safety policy does not explicitly prohibit the pit maneuver because children are in the car, it requires officers to, and I quote, consider children's safety. Okay, well, they decided not to consider the children's safety. The Pauley County Sheriff's Office on scene told WANF, it was 1 a.m. and it was dark and the troopers were having trouble seeing who was in the vehicle. Wow, let's put up a picture of Lee Merritt, my dear brother. This is Boykin's attorney. He shared the radio traffic that indicated the officers knew that the children were actually in the car. Do you realize they're willing to lie about the death of a child? You gotta understand how depraved they are. A dispatcher can be heard on the police radio saying, there are children in the car, there are children in the car. And an unidentified officer responds saying, there are kids in the car. If I can get up there and pass them and we'll try again. There's the vehicle coming, they better stop before they get put in the ditch. Another trooper says, remember they already done lied twice, their credibility shot to hell. And we're still believing their narrative? We're still believing their story? At the news conference on January 10th, let's put up the pictures. Gerald Briggs, who's an attorney, he's also the Georgia NAACP president and happens to be a very good friend of mine. Gerald on the left called for the state attorney general, Chris Carr on the right to appoint a special prosecutor and for the DOJ to investigate the case. Last summer, Merritt, had also called for the Pauley County prosecutor to recuse himself and allow a special prosecutor to take over. Charlie Moore was arrested and faces charges that include first degree vehicle homicide. This is the guy who was driving. Now they charge him with homicide. So he gets charged with murder, okay? He gets charged with first degree vehicular homicide, murder during the commission of a felony, reckless driving, endangering, endangering a child while, uh, while DUI on alcohol or drugs and fleeing to elude, he still awaits trial for every single one of those charges. Meanwhile, Peterson was placed on administrative leave, paid, investigated by the GBI, then returned to work early last year. So if you believe that Mr. Moore is responsible, you have to believe the cop that did this is too, in violation of policy. 
in violation of protocol. And then they lied every time somebody questioned, did you know children in the car? No, we had no idea children in the car. Radio chatter, children in the car. Max thoughts here. I just can't get over the simple fact that this man was not even told the, the crime he was alleged to have committed. He simply asked what he did wrong and was met with violence. And police, as you mentioned, say they didn't know kids were in the car. They had flashlights visible in the video. You have their radio chatter. Now, should Moore have fled? No, that was a dumb idea. But at the end of the day, the one expectation we should have, and I know we don't, but that we should have is that police, if no one else, will be the ones who follow policy and the law. That they will not flip over a vehicle full of children. And the fact that they did not call for an ambulance until well after that car flipped. Even though it is standard police policy when a vehicle flips to immediately call for an ambulance and assume there is injury. They did not do that, they did not care. They were so focused on catching this guy who had disrespected them that they threw policy to the wind and now a kid is dead. Let me pose this question, what is successful about a car flipping with children inside? What he got on that radio and said, pit successful, pit successful. I mean, his adrenaline, I mean, he was proud of himself. And then they lie about the context when questioned by those in the media. Oh, we we knew nothing about children. No, 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 no. We would never do that if we knew children were there. And then here comes the NAACP, here comes Lee Merritt, and they are able to get their hands on the actual radio chatter. This is why it is important to have advocacy. This is why it is important to build coalition. This is why it is important to lead with heart. Not corruption. A 12 year old is dead because a cop chose to violate policy of the law. He is working again and being funded by tax dollars. And here's the irony of it he's a Georgia trooper, which means the family of the 12 year old he killed is funding his salary. All right, Max, always a pleasure having you on the program, sir. Thank you. Thanks Tell so much for having me. You. Tell people they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, you can follow me on Rebel HQ and on Twitter at the Max Burns. Thank you, dear brother. All right, until next time. All right. Thank you. Remember, we got a special tonight. So remember, remember that. And it's star studying. All right, we got Ricky Smiley, we got Nina Turner, and we also have Sharon Reed. But remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.